Honestly, I don't know what's more terrifying. Living in the middle of nowhere or a rural area or me trying to say rural without saying rural because I, I'm from rural areas and honestly I just can't seem to say this word correctly. Welcome back to the swamp my friends and welcome if you're new. Today we're going to be sharing some creepy and downright strange rural horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. As always, if you have some stories that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your encounter at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further ado, be sure to backhand that like button, subscribe if you're new, and get ready for these creepy and allegedly true rural horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Hey, just as a reminder, I'm a narrator on The Chilling App, the awesome horror app that features over 1,000 horror stories, over a dozen narrators, some of whom you might know from YouTube, as well as full-length novels and exclusive series and chilling originals. You can select and change the ambient sound in the background of the stories whenever you want without affecting the story you are listening to. And we release hours of new stories every single week. Click the link in the description to download and start your free trial today and see if you like it. Also, Chilling is always doing fantastic giveaways, and in time for the holidays, we are giving away a PS5 bundle that includes the disc version console, two games, and some Chilling merch. Click the link in the description to learn how you can win. Best of luck. In the Hills, No One Can Hear You Cry by Schmid Face This is my stepmom and her best friend's story. I have my own, but I'm hesitant to add some. I hope telling someone else's will open me up to it just a little bit more. My stepmom didn't like us much, but she told my sister, who is three years older than me, this experience growing up, and it scared us from being stupid, to be honest. It was a great cautionary tale, I guess. It was my family's stranger danger story, if you will. My stepmom, we're going to call her Macy grew up as a kind of privileged teen in the 1970s. Her mom had moved their family over to the United States from England when she was about nine years old. She went to a pretty nice high school in a lovely town. There, she made friends with a girl named Lily, who didn't exactly run with Macy's type of crowd, who were normally popular, the stereotypical, you know, teeny boppers, I guess. However, they hit it off and Lily would take Macy out to do stuff like hiking, fishing, sailing, there's even some hilarious sets of pictures of them camping. My stepmom has raccoon eyes and looks like she hates everything. Because of Lily's influence, the two of them would do stuff like that a good amount. One Sunday, they decided to hike in some hills about an hour away. Macy put on what I'm sure were her expensive hiking boots, and the two drove off to the hiking trails. Lily parked in this extensive clearing with makeshift parking spots, you know, like a piece of wood marking a headspace or something like that. But there were no other cars in this area. This was only important in hindsight. They started hiking up the hill, off the path, because Lily fancied herself a badass. The hike was nothing extraordinary. If you asked my stepmom, she would lament for 15 minutes how sticky and buggy it was. They reached the top of the hill and my stepmom was done. The polished, pampered side of her was coming out, and she groaned until Lily begrudgingly said okay. They would rest for some time and then walk down again, but slower. They had been heading down the hill for only about 10 minutes when Macy started complaining again. Finally, Lily conceded to walking down the side of the road instead of the rough hiking trail. So, there they are, probably looking like a couple of tools geared up for hiking and walking down a crappy street, 
and not even five minutes later, a truck pulled up next to them. It was a red and rusty truck, just generally looked like a clunker. The guy driving rolled down the window and the girls looked through the passenger side window. He had a big beard, a baseball cap pulled down, and long brown hair. He greeted them and smiled through his beard, asking if they needed a ride. Macy describes him as charming and even cute. Lily still says the moment he greeted them, her hackles went up. Despite her better judgment, my stepmom convinced her to get into the truck. It must only be a 10 minute drive down to the car tops. The two girls opened the passenger's door to this rusty old thing and the guy directed them behind the seat to get into the back. So they settled in and the truck started rumbling forward. Lily always says that that was the point, that it hit her that they made a big mistake. The back seat was clean enough, but a rope was on the floor behind the driver's seat and four boxes of saran wrap were half hanging out from under the passenger's seat. It seemed creepy and weird, but Lily didn't want to freak my stepmom out so she kept her mouth shut for the time being. After 10 minutes, the woods didn't look any more transparent and they hadn't seen another car the whole time. Lily was questioning how long he thought it would be. He said he was taking a different route down the hill and had to stop somewhere to get something first. That was it. The girls were 16 and 17 respectively, and Lily didn't want to press the issue because she was scared. She can remember his hair because she was sitting right behind him. He looked like a woodsy type of guy, but his hair was super tangled and dirty. She noticed crusted mud on his collar and tried to find something identifiable about him, but she just got scared the more she noticed and picked up more details about him. He was young-ish, strong-looking, and had about one inch on both of them. So they didn't ask any more questions, and he didn't offer any more information. And they discontinued to drive on. Several minutes later, they reached a tiny shack-slash-log-cabin-looking place in the clearing of trees. There was an old stump where someone had chopped wood and a vast axe stuck out of the log. Lily was definitely on red alert now. The guy turned off the truck and slipped out saying, I'll be back, don't get out. And he disappeared into the house. Lily tried to talk to my stepmom about how she was incredibly uncomfortable, but she mostly just dismissed it. Then Lily started begging, increasingly freaking out, and finally put her foot down, demanding Macy exit the truck with her this instant. So they got out, walked around the front of the vehicle. The house was about 50 yards in front of them. Why this guy would have left two young girls in the truck alone while going into the house is beyond me. And then they just wandered around, looking at it hesitantly. If this guy were decent and just trying to give them a ride, it would be rude to run off, right? My stepmom had this strict upbringing regarding manners and public persona and she saw it as an issue. So she started to head back to the truck, opening the front door to climb back in behind the driver's seat. Lily was beyond pissed off and followed her to yell some more. A big hatchet was on the driver's side floor, half hidden under the seat. It had dried red-brown stains covering the blade and stuck to the floor. Lily understandably lost her cool seeing it. My stepmom started getting hysterical. They decided that leaving was their best option and just booked it off to the side of the property into the trees. They bumbled around in the trees until Lily was confident they were on their way back down the hill. My stepmom cried the entire way down. Lily felt terrible about it, but was also completely freaked out that the guy would hear it and track them down. When they finally got back down to the bottom and saw the old wooden fence surrounding the original parking area, they were relieved. But as they got closer, they saw it. The truck. It was parked on the other side of the gravelly makeshift lot. They were sitting there, facing the other way innocently. 
They couldn't see if anyone was in it, and of course Macy wanted to run for the car, but Lily was super hesitant. Finally, she managed to calm my stepmom down, saying she wanted to wait before running out into the open to see what was there. Remember, this is the 1970s. There's no cell phones. There were no ranger stations or anyone around. The parking lot was big, empty, and open, and who knows what would have happened if they had decided to stroll across it. Thankfully, Lily convinced my mom to chill down. Thankfully, Lily convinced my stepmom to chill, and the two of them hunkered down against a big tree hidden by bushes and other trees and waited for what seemed to be a couple of hours. When dark started to fall, all the animals started coming out and making noises. Macy predictably started getting antsy about this and bothering Lily, who was tired and moments away from giving in. She was planning their dash to the car when they heard a clunk across the twilight-lit lot. They watched as one of the back doors of their car swung open, and the bearded guy slid his way out of the back seat. He got out, shut the door, looked around at the surrounding woods for several moments, and then walked back to his truck. The truck lumbered past their car and was out of sight. Several minutes after watching him drive away, they sprinted to their car as fast as they could, jumped in, and peeled out before they had even shut the doors. I used to be a night watchman at a wind farm. What I saw still haunts me. By Horror Writer 1717 I used to love my job. I was a watchman at a wind farm. I had to make rounds a few times a night to ensure no one was messing with the wind turbine. I would read a lot of books and eventually if I got bored I'd bring my portable DVD player and watch movies all night. The only thing that broke up the time was the patrols. I'd arrive every night around 9pm and get relieved by day shift at 9am. There wasn't much to it. I'd pull up beside the watchman I was facilitating, we'd exchange pleasantries, he'd tell me if anything went on during the day, and then he'd be on his way. I don't remember him telling me anything more than seeing a deer or a bear. A dozen windmills stretched out over five miles, each connected by a dirt road. When I started working for this company, I would get out and check the locks on the access doors to each windmill. Then, after about five years, I'd drive by and barely glance at things. Most times, I'd still watch my movie or show while still moving. Not a lot of traffic on that dirt road. I went into a ditch only once but got the car out with minimal difficulty. The worst part about that was the embarrassment. One evening, I was in a hurry and running late. I jumped in the car and flew to the worksite with something nagging in the back of my mind. I made it just in time, got my report, and settled in for my routine. I did my first round with no problem. Twilight had just faded, leaving the world diving into nighttime darkness. Clouds had been forming all evening, and I saw a flock of turkeys across my path near one of the fields. That definitely meant it was going to storm. My first round through was a breeze. Nothing was happening as of yet, and I didn't see the animals I'd usually see except for the turkeys. Maybe since it was going to storm, the other animals were battening down the hatches and settling in wherever they were. The drive around the five-mile dirt road circle took around 30 minutes. They don't like us going very fast, and technically we're supposed to check the door and each lock on these turbines. So the other drivers and I have made it timed so it looks like we checked. I returned to the main building a little after 9.30. I pulled out my portable DVD player and started watching Die Hard. Then of course I fell asleep. I woke to credits rolling. Shit, I said, remembering my missed round. I threw the car in gear and flew off towards the wind turbines. 
It was right then and there that I remembered what I had forgotten before coming into work. A flashing light announced, low fuel. I cursed myself for forgetting to fill up yesterday on the way home. This is my second round, I thought. I should have enough to make it through the rest of the night and get to a gas station. This was the thought I clung to for the rest of the night. My second round was uneventful. My eyes were constantly drawn to the fuel gauge, but I could do nothing about it. Once you're in for the night, you have to stay. If they caught you driving off the job, you're fired. No ifs, ands, or buts. I don't want to lose such a gravy job, so I stayed. Although there were a couple of times I considered a quick two-mile trip to the gas station. The problem was my boss. He was a bit of a prick and liked to pull surprise inspections all night. He wanted to pretend he was being a nice guy and showing up to see if I needed anything, but I knew why he was actually. So if he showed up tonight, I would have to ask for a couple of gallons of gas. Maybe that would solve my problem and keep him from inspecting so often. Partway through my second movie, Die Hard 2 of course, I went for my next round. It had just started to rain, making my windows fog up and my defroster wasn't working too great. When I went for my fourth round, the weather had decided to switch up from mildly annoying rain to grab the animals and head for the ark. It was raining so hard I could barely see in front of me. I drove at a crawling speed. The rain had worn ruts in the road. Some of the lower depressions had puddles across the entire street. I was glad I was driving a jeep. I got right in the middle of one of the giant puddles when my engine gave out. I cranked and cranked, but it was no use. I was out of gas. I was never going to live this down. I could see it. Five years from now, the other guy would tell the story about the moron who ran out of gas in the middle of a rainstorm. So now I had the decision to make. Do I stay in the car, ride out the storm, or walk back to the main building and wait for the day shift to arrive? I checked my watch. Nearly eight hours until my relief came. The way it was raining, there was no way I was walking back. If there had been an emergency gas can full of fuel, I might have considered it. But... The can hadn't had any gas in it for quite some time. Yet another wonderful present from my idiot boss. He said it was a waste of gas to have it sit around and grow old. I guess the concept of emergency never really crossed his mind. I didn't want to drain the battery as well, so I didn't watch any more movies. Instead, I sat and listened to the rain pound on the roof of my car like someone was dropping marbles from the sky. That's when my mind started playing tricks on me. It was as dull as I was and I decided to have a little fun. I was whistling a little tune in my off-key way that makes people stuff cotton in their ears when I glanced in the rearview mirror. The mirror reflected something. I swore I saw a set of eyes looking in the back window. I whipped around so fast my neck cracked, but there was nothing there. I hit the door lock button just to be sure, as if that would help me in the middle of nowhere in a downpour. My whistling grew louder and more off-key, as I did all I could to avoid looking in the mirror. Eventually, it was just too much. My eyes were drawn to the mirror like a magnet. I looked, and there was nothing there that I could see. I chuckled nervously at myself for being stupid, leaned back against the headrest, and tried to relax. I don't remember falling asleep, but waking up to nothing. No sound of pounding rain, no sound of animals, no crickets even. It was honestly unnerving. I lowered the window a few inches and listened. There was still no sound, not even the whooshing of wind turbine blades as they spun. I looked at the closest one and the blades were, they were, they were still, they weren't even moving. It was unusual for the wind to be so calm that it couldn't even muster enough energy to turn the edges. I checked my watch and found I had been asleep for four hours. The storm clouds had drifted off and the moon had appeared. 
It wasn't complete, but it was bright enough to light the ground and create hundreds of shadows of the trees surrounding me. It really was a beautiful night, the kind of night that made me glad to live in rural Pennsylvania. It did make me seriously rethink waiting in the jeep until morning, though. My mind held a tug of war as I hummed. Should I stay or should I go? I looked at my watch again. My relief would be driving through the gate in under four hours. What would he do if I wasn't there? It would be much easier to explain and have him get me some gas rather than wait for him to do his first round and find me sitting in the middle of the road. My mind was made up. I grabbed the flashlight from the glove compartment, staring momentarily at the handgun beside it. I thought about it, but decided to leave it behind. Most of the animals in these woods want nothing to do with humans, and others are easily scared away with a bit of yelling. I locked the door as I stepped out, and my foot landed in a deep puddle. I sighed as the water oozed past my ankle and filled my sneaker, soaking my socks. The reservoir encompassed my entire car. It was quickly 12 feet across. I knew hopping on one foot wouldn't do anything but get my clothes even more wet, so I put my second foot down and closed the door. I started wading through the puddle to the far side until I found dry land. I shone my light at the closest wind turbine, number five. I knew that was the furthest one from the gate, just my luck. Being at the halfway point didn't matter if I went forward or back, I decided to go forward and started on my track. The only sound I heard in the first part of my trip was my shoes squishing. It was unnerving having your only companions being silent and hundreds of shadows cast from the trees. I shone the flashlight around in the trees and saw plenty of eyes shining back at me, but they were silent. It was as if they were seated in the pews of a church and I walked up the aisle looking for my seat. The eyes ranged in size from small to quite large and yet none of them made a sound. Were they terrified of me? I paused to take a break and that's when I heard it, a footstep behind me. It wasn't a heavy footstep, it wasn't a heavy thud at all, but a soft squish in the grass under a giant foot. I whipped around and shone my light where I thought I heard the squish come from, but there was nothing there. I panned all around, with the morning slowly coming up, but all I saw were gravel roads and endless trees. Seeing nothing was possibly worse than seeing something. A deer, a bear, or even a coyote would have been something I could deal with, scare away, and fight off, rationalize if you will. But nothing created this void that my mind filled with all kinds of horrible creatures. The tense silence continued as I started walking faster without thinking about it. Even the squish of my shoes seemed louder in the absence of woodland noises. I started thinking about my destination. It was tempting to cut through the woods and save myself a lot of time seeing as I was still on a long road loop. Had it been daylight, I might have considered it. However, I didn't give it a second thought in the dead of night, with a nearly full moon over my shoulder and dawn hours away. I thought that perhaps whistling would soothe my jangled nerves. I tried whistling the happiest tune I could think of, but the echo came back to me, bent and twisted like the children's song that plays in a horror movie. I ended my whistling soon after it started. I was halfway through a verse when the tune died on my lips. The sudden unexpected silence brought me the horrible gift of another footfall behind me. I whipped around as quickly as I could and shone my flashlight around. This time my mind wasn't giving the luxury of scaring me with nothing. This time I saw a set of eyes. They were large and red, but what was most frightening about them was their distance from the ground. Whatever it was, its eyes were a good eight feet off the ground. It was 40 or 50 yards away and hiding behind a tree, but those, those eyes will haunt me for the rest of my life. Unfortunately, I didn't know how long that would be, especially with such a monstrously huge creature stalking me just a few feet away. 
I'd love to say that I carefully weighed my options and came to a sensible solution as to what this creature was and how to deal with it. I didn't. I ran like the devil himself was chasing me. It surprised me that I kept hold of my flashlight. I found speed I never knew I had. Desperation will do that. My mind raced faster than my feet, but there was no solution it could come up with. I could hear the footfalls behind me coming closer. It was coming to catch me. It was going to get me. And it was only a matter of time. As my mind grasped at any straw, my salvation rose in front of me like a lighthouse to a lost fisherman. One of the wind turbines loomed in front of me. I knew the code to get inside. In an emergency, and this was definitely an emergency, we could definitely get inside these things if we needed to. I didn't think if I could run any faster, but hearing the footsteps behind me, seeing my salvation in front of me, I felt like a roadrunner when he put on a burst of speed and disappeared into a cloud of smoke. Of course, that was all in my mind. Reality dashed my illusion as the sounds of massive feet grew even closer. It no longer cared about stealth. I could hear it on the gravel road now. My curiosity wanted to turn and at least identify my pursuer. Still, I forced myself to focus on what was in front of me, stumbling because I wasn't focused or because seeing the creature that would be my doom would be catastrophic. The 400-foot-tall monolith loomed large in front of me. I envisioned where the keypad was, knowing I had one shot at typing in the code before my untimely death. As salvation drew near, panic set in. I became obsessed with the notion that I would be caught at any moment. I have no idea what possessed me other than sheer terror and desperation. I took the only thing I had available to me, my flashlight, and threw it backward. By some miracle, I heard a muffled thud and a slight groan. The sounds came much closer than I wanted, but I still refused to look back. I reached the door to the turbine, punched in the code, and yanked the door open, straining my arms because of its weight. I was inside when the door pulled shut. Before it latched, a set of massive fingers appeared in the doorway. I pulled with everything I had, feeling the muscles strain to break. The door somehow continued its momentum towards closing. The giant fingers were slammed in between the door and the frame. They disappeared and I heard an inhuman howling from the other side as I shut and locked the door. I collapsed the floor, gasping for air as my mind replayed the image of the fingers appearing in the doorway. Then, like a frozen playback, I saw, with startling clarity, the fingers were the size of bratwurst, covered in hair, with claws sticking out of them. I lay on the floor panting, searching for any options but finding none. For the moment, I felt safe, but how long would that last? How would anyone find me here? Would they even look or even think that I was lost in the woods? And the biggest question was, what the hell was that thing? I didn't want to speculate because the possible answers were too terrible to comprehend, especially with whatever it was still outside somewhere close. Just as I began to feel my adrenaline decrease, there was a pounding at the door. It reverberated through the giant hollow tube that was now my salvation in prison. I jumped up, not knowing what to do. My only escape route led me into the claws of a monster. I looked all around for help, but finding none, I resigned myself to waiting for my inevitable demise. I could see the door vibrate with every impact. I knew it was made of sturdy metal, but even metal has its breaking point. As I searched the small room of a mere ten feet, my eyes were drawn upward. There attached to the side was a ladder. It stretched upward into affinity. There seemed to be no end. Thankfully, there were lights along every few feet. But that was little comfort. I wondered about my choices. Wait here for the door to collapse or climb an impossible climb straight up with no rest points, no timeouts, and no do-overs. If I mounted, it would be all or nothing. However, 
bailing halfway up meant I would need to regain my hopeless situation. I had yet to determine if I had the strength or stamina for such a climb, but another round of pounding at the door made my mind up. I stepped into the ladder tentatively, waiting for the rung to give out under my foot. After a moment, I stepped onto the second one, then the third, then the fourth. It brought near disaster as I slipped and fell back to the floor, landing in a puddle. This painfully reminded me that my shoes were soaking wet. Even though there were grip pads on the rungs themselves, I still needed to be extra careful and step on the arch of my foot, not the ball. I got up and checked for injuries. I was sure there would be a bruise or two if I survived, but my pride was the only thing that was really hurt. The thumping on the door refocused my priorities. I stood and started up the ladder once again, stepping with the arch of my foot this time. I started slowly ensuring every foothold was secure before stepping to the next rung. Soon I gained confidence and was moving a little bit faster. My breathing was getting ragged as the exertion sapped my energy. I regretted skipping supper and hadn't eaten any snacks this evening. I paused my climb and hooked my arm on the ladder to keep myself from falling as I caught my breath. It was then I made two mistakes. One was looking up and the other was looking down. When I looked up, it seemed like I was no closer to the top than I had started. When I looked down, I saw that I had made enough progress in the killing myself part if I stumbled. Another thing I saw when I looked down made me want to cry. Hanging on the wall were several safety harnesses. There was a metal cable that ran beside the ladder. For a brief moment, I considered climbing back down to get a harness, but I realized I might not have the energy to get back up. The rest of the climb seemed to take forever. My breaks became more frequent and took longer each time. My feet were screaming at me for a rest. I was nearly exhausted when I looked up and saw the top of the ladder. The excitement carried me to the rest of the way up. Finally, I climbed off the ladder and collapsed onto the metal landing. I lay there for what felt like an eternity until my strength returned. I stepped through the door that led into the generator room. It was cramped due to the machinery taking up most of the room. There was a small walkway beside the generator and a hatch opened up to go outside. I looked around and found a safety rig. I put it on and secured the line to a hook as I opened the hatch and went outside. Dawn had broken and the world was lit with a brilliant orange of early morning. The beauty so overtook me that I didn't notice the wind had been still after the storm now, threatening to knock me off my feet. I stumbled, feeling grateful for the safety line I watched as one massive blade passed a few feet away. My only reason for taking the risk was to look down and see if my pursuer had given up and left. I slowly peeked over the side, fighting nausea inducing vertigo from the sheer height. I looked around the tiny trees below and saw nothing out of the ordinary. I was about to go back inside when movement caught my eye. It was the creature. It had come around from the other side of the turbine's base. I marveled at how tiny it looked from up here, yet it still presented me with the problem of how to escape. I stepped back inside and looked around for the answer. After a brief search, I found a radio amongst the controls on the wall. I pressed a button and an alarm went off. I pushed it again to silence it. I tried another button and was rewarded with static. Hello? Hello? Can anybody hear me? I said into the microphone. I repeated this over and over again, still receiving static. Finally, on the third try, my boss answered. What the hell are you doing in one of the units? He said. Um, it was an emergency and this was the only way I could contact someone. He harumphed on the other end. What was the emergency? I'd rather not say on the radio. I said. Can you come get me? He sighed. Which unit are you in? Number six. It'll be a little while. Like how long? Like when I get there. He grumbled. The line went back to static. 
I felt relieved that at least someone knew where I was and was coming to get me. Eventually. Curious, I climbed outside and leaned over to check the creature. My blood turned to ice in my veins from what I saw. The creature was looking up at me. It must have heard the alarm. Then it did the thing that would haunt my nightmares for years to come. It started climbing the outside of the wind turbine. My eyes were drawn to the horrible sight and I could not look away. I kept hoping it would lose its grip and fall, but it just wasn't. Instead, it got closer and closer. Around halfway up, my mind woke up to the danger, sending my body into action. I lunged back inside, closed the hatch, I unfastened the safety line and headed back for the main ladder. It took much less time to get down than it did to get up. Several times in the haste, I slipped, nearly taking the express lane down, ending in death. Eventually, I made it, as I took a moment to catch my breath, I heard the top of the turbine being assaulted. As I took just a moment to catch my breath, I heard the top of the turbine being assaulted. The bangs resonated down the tube, making them sound even louder and more aggressive. I opened the door as quietly as possible, hoping the noise the creature was making above would cover my exit. As I did, a few brown hairs fell to the floor. I picked them up and stuck them in my pocket for later. As I slowly opened the door, it made a slight creak. Suddenly, the noise above me stopped. My heart leaped into my throat. I stopped breathing. My mind sent me unhelpful images of the creature jumping down and dismembering me. As I stood as still as a statue, I smelled smoke. I looked up and black plumes were flowing from the turbine. I ran as fast as I could back toward my jeep. I refused to look as I heard a roar behind me. I nearly ran into my boss's car as he turned the corner. What the hell? He said, getting out. Look, look! I said, pointing at the turbine. I see, he said. What the hell did you do? No, no, look! I said, pointing toward the black smoke. What, what, what should I see other than millions of dollars going up in smoke, sir? I stopped and looked up at the burning machine, but no creature was there. I jumped in the car and slammed my door. Can we go, please? I said, trying to hide my terrors. He stared at me, got in the car and drove back to the main building. The whole time I kept shooting furtive glances behind us. He parked in front of the building and looked over me. You're gonna have to answer some questions. I know. Would someone please get my car? I ran out of gas. That's why I was in the turbine. Why didn't you just wait in your car? I opened my mouth to answer, realized what I was about to say and stopped, leaving it unsaid. Okay, he said, getting out. I'll send someone for your car. I followed him inside and lay on the couch in the break room. A short while later, a co-worker woke me. Here are the keys to your car. It's parked out front, he said. The boss wants to see you. I took the keys and stood. I looked right toward the boss's office and left toward the exit. It only took a moment to turn left and walk out the door. I never returned. The memory of that night has never left me, and it never will. The following day, I read in the paper about the turbine fire and how they found a bear carcass that must have been trapped in the blaze, but I knew better. I knew the company would come after me for the destruction of their expensive turbine. I also knew they'd haul me away in a rubber truck if I had told the truth. Either way, I was about to disappear, and my story would never be told. I found a group that specialized in unexplained phenomena. I walked into their office with a bag in my pocket and three brown hairs, and I knew they'd want to hear my story. Man, these were some really intense rural horror stories. 
As always, if you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to backhand that like button in the face. Subscribe if you're new as it really helps the channel grow. And be sure to comment down below letting me know what your favorite story in this collection was tonight. It helps me pick better ones in the future and I love seeing your opinions. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, send in your story at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium, but want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. Many thanks to Chilling for sponsoring this episode. If you guys haven't, be sure to start your free trial and enter to win that free PS5 giveaway. Don't forget to join me over on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and pretty much every other social media. And I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.